Good. We're glad to be in church, and uh, we're going to have a great time today. Take your Bible and with me, let's open together to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 5. And uh, I determined to be warm in church today because it's been cold lately, and now it's hot in church. Is anybody still feeling cold? No. Is anybody hot? These radiators, don't touch them. Get very hot. Uh, all right, here we go. James chapter 3. We're, we're talking about um, who we are as a church and as a church family. And we've been taking some time to talk about, to talk about who we are uh, and talk about when you and me and, and he and she and, and them and they become we, something happens, and we make a journey to us. Us is a different word, isn't it? Us is a word of affinity and identity and unity. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about who, who are we as a community. Let's talk about us. And what we've established is something really easy, basic, simple from the beginning. And, and you've been hearing it week after week. But we've said we are a Jesus-centered community. But because we're a Jesus-centered community, that has ramifications. That means that we, have a, we already have a God-authored identity. You hear what I'm saying? We have the DNA and the genetic code of our father. And just like you have the genetic code of your parents, we have the genetic code of our uh, origin and in the father. And so we, we are a Jesus-centered community, but we have a God-authored identity. And that identity is, is not just about us. It's to show Jesus to the world around us. Are you here with me? So if you haven't been around for a few weeks, it's, uh, we talked about some things that really, really encapsulate who we are. We're a praying church. We're a connecting church. We're a serving church. We're a believing church. Um, and today I want to talk to you, and maybe we'll take two weeks to establish this one, uh, and I think you're going to enjoy it because I think it's going to challenge all of us where we live. Some of you are already probably 4.0s in this category, but some of us are are flunking, big time. And, uh, but all of us together can get better at it. And so today I want to talk about we are a, we are a life-speaking church. We are a life-speaking church. And so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to read out of the paraphrase message translation and uh, establish for us uh, some groundwork, a foundation from what, which we can, we can move and, uh, and really tie our hearts, our spirits, but our language, tie our language to God's concept and idea for how we use our speech. Are you ready today? Is everybody engaged? Fully engaged? Warm? Good. James chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, it says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. And destroy anything. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. Are you liking this paraphrase translation? This is powerful. This is real. Verse 7. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. 
curses and blessings out of the same mouth? Exclamation. My friends, this can't go on. We want to talk about uh, being a life-speaking church. And to be a life-speaking church, guess what? That means you and I, all of us together, we have to become life-speaking people. And some of us have adopted a language and an operating system, and we allow and give ourselves permission to say things that I will just say, I'll, I'll borrow uh, the words uh, that, uh, that we just read, this cannot go on the way it has been going on. And we're going to talk about that. And so um, why don't we pray? Sound good? It's a spiritual thing to do. Some of you look like you need a prayer. Some of you look like you got the joy of the Lord. You're going to pray for the rest of us. Father, we thank you today for Mo wearing his Redskins hoodie and for encouraging me in the Lord and in life. Uh, Father, we just thank you that you're going to help us today exchange our faulty operating system that's full of bugs and, and toxins and viruses, and you're going to defrag it and f- make it efficient again, Father, to operate in the realm of how you intend us to use our words. God, we want to be a life-speaking church, and it starts with me. It starts with each one of us individually. We want to be life-speaking people. Help us today. We speak life over our city. We speak life over our nation. We speak life over our leaders. We speak life over our professional sports franchises. Extra dose of life there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to eat r- right lately. I'm trying to make some changes. And I know most, most people wait till January. I start in usually September, October, because it takes me a while. Uh, so I've been trying to make healthy life choices, and, and I don't miss a lot because I've found something that really works for me. I don't miss a lot, but can I tell you what I miss? One of the things I miss, burgers. I miss not just burgers because burgers are a tease. I miss cheeseburgers. I miss the goo of the cheese. The, the juicy, greasy combination of when you keep the wrapper wrapped for, for a little too long. And uh, I, I miss the texture of the bread, especially. Um, I miss burgers. Do you love burgers? Yeah, we love, we love burgers. Um, so there's something magically American about burgers. <laughs> there's something that feels like f- the smell of freedom in the air when you smell burgers. You feel like an eagle could land on your shoulder at any moment when you're eating a burger. I don't know why that is, but that's, <laughs> yes, I think that's a red-tailed hawk, but um, it's, it's good. Um, the, the cheeseburgers, there's, there's something that, that's why I was sad this week to be walking through Tenley Town and, uh, and to see our, our beloved Burgers, Taps, and Shakes being disassembled. It has closed, if you didn't know. Some of you are in shock. We try to be an informative show. Um, <laughs> telling you what you need to know. Burgers Tap and Shake, after a three-year run, right on the corner, Burger Tap and Shake, BTS, is done. Saw the workers outside disassembling the big, beautiful sign. Um, and that's right, you know, one of our great burger places here in the northwest D.C. area. And, and every area's got their great burgers. Fairfax, our Fairfax location's got some great burgers nearby. And uh, so we've lost another place. And it's disappointing that it's closed, right? Can I be honest with you? <laughs> but the truth is, even as I saw it closed, I'm walking through the intersection, I see them. The truth is this neighbor, neighborhood has seen, um, this neighborhood, I'll say it this way, this neighborhood is hard on restaurants. 
It's hard on restaurants. So let me tell you what I mean by that. I've been part of this community uh, in Northwest D.C. for 12 years now. Uh, so I've seen a lot of restaurants come and go. Matter of fact, I've seen three different restaurants at that location. Uh, and there's a cycle that plays out, and I'm not going to place all the blame here, but I think it's a, it's a snapshot, it's a cross-section, it's a, it's a, we're taking a, a core sample here of contributing factors, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a thing called a list serve in Northwest D.C., and a lot of the communities in D.C. and the DMV and even Virginia have these list serves, and what, it's like a mass email chain where you can become part of the Tenleytown listserv, the Cleveland Park listserv, the AU Park listserv. And so when you want to sell something, give something away, complain about your neighbor's uh, leaf blower, um, or just generally enrich us all with your incredible intellect, uh, you go to the listserv. And you, and you can reach on one listserv in, in this area, you can reach 50,000 people on one listserv. And uh, so, I have a theory. Um, here, here's a sampling of a cycle that I'll, I'll observe on a, on a listserv. And this is this has played out in the last six months. Um, somebody will get on the listserv. Remember, this is just a mass email going to the whole neighborhood. They'll get on. Uh, posting new topic. Tenleytown, restaurant desert. Okay. And they'll say something like, why can't we have good restaurants in Tenley Town? Okay. Somebody gets on. Comments. Response. Good news. Somebody's opening XYZ restaurant. Yay. Multiple comments. I can't wait. We're getting a good restaurant. Another comment. When will the restaurant be here? Weeks go by. Updates come. Another comment. The restaurant is opening XYZ this weekend. Everybody's excited. Restaurant opens. Comment. XYZ restaurant review. Their stew was overpriced. And the whole restaurant smelled like college students. I don't know what that means. But that's their review. I will not be going back. Six months, a year, a few more negative reviews, posting new topic, bad news, XYZ restaurant is closing. What can we do to stop this tragedy? You caused this tragedy. You said you wanted better restaurants. Better restaurants came. Then you went to better restaurant. You had one bad experience and felt compelled to share it with the world and completely uh, disavow this restaurant and, and your patronage. It will never see your patronage again because the stew was overpriced. I'm not joking. The stew was overpriced. Remember that restaurant we had over there next to Dancing Crab? Well, what was the name of it? Oh, it was like the best name, bread and chocolate or something? Bread and salt. Who doesn't want bread and salt? All you got to add is chocolate, and you're there. Bread, salt, chocolate. Should be a multi-million dollar chain. Should be franchised all over the world. Closed. Stew, too expensive. Posting new topic. Why can't we have more good restaurants in Tenley Town? I have a theory. No more BTS. Uh, I think more burger options are always better than less burger options. Do you agree? If you, if you agree, 
just shoot up a hand real quick. All right, keep your hand up. All right, no, don't put it up now. You were too late. Uh, I have for you burgers for the first 20 people that we can get to. We'll bring them out. And the rest of us can just smell them. And, uh, you know, next week you may want to consider sitting closer to the front. It's just you want to be close to the spout where the glory comes out. And, uh, and the cheeseburgers are coming out right now. More burgers are better than less burgers. And you might not like the stew, but somebody else might like the stew. Why so negative? That's my question today. I mean, in the name of all that's holy, in the name of burgers, taps, and shakes, in the name of bread and salt, in the name of Yelp, why so negative? And, and understand this, this is not peculiar to Fairfax for our Fairfax campus people. This is not peculiar to Washington, D.C. This is not peculiar to Northwest D.C., although I would say we have taken the art form to a new level. Uh, but it is not peculiar to us. Uh, it's human nature in general. Look at everybody getting their burgers. I love it. Everybody's like, there's something about a burger. When a burger comes out, it's almost like you hear a heavenly choir announcing and celebrating a burger is close. It's nearby. What is really great is it's like when husband and wife, one of them got the burger, the other didn't. And then the decision to share is it's happening in church in real time. We're watching you. Uh, but it, it, why so negative, right? What is it about us that we like to speak death? That's my question today. What is it about us that compels us and 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 ensnares us to constantly being to to trafficking in the dark arts that the enemy has has laid claim to and tries to introduce to us and we gravitate to it so quickly what a, what is it about us we like to speak death death to our business oh it's terrible it's the worst time economically it just it couldn't be worse we speak death over our relationships it's over. We can never bounce back after this. And we use ultimate language for a temporary argument. We speak death to our finances. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Listen, I'm just telling you, I've done the math. I carried the one. There's only one. That's all we got. It's hopeless. We do it to our health as well. It's just too late for me to make that decision. It's too late for me to make a healthy choice. It's too late for me. Uh. I'm not sure why we'll go to Yelp after one bad experience and never report the thousands of good experiences. I'm not sure why the, the, the negative one can outweigh the thousands of great moments. Happens in church too. Come on, I'm, no, I'm not naive to this. We walk out, well, the message wasn't that good today. I mean, really, burgers, if you're going to bring them, bring them for everybody, right? <laughs> right? Like, kind of selfish jerk brings 20 burgers, you can come up to second experience and sit right in the front, and then the last will be first. <laughs> no, we'll see. We'll see. We'll let the Lord choose. <laughs> you know, there's just something, why just one experience and we're like, yes, I get to be negative. There's something in us that grabbed it. We like to say something. 
right? We just like to say something. And uh, specifically, we like to speak death. And, and, and I'm, I, that might sound overly dramatic, um, but it's not. It's part of our fallen nature. It's not part of our creative nature, but it is part of our fallen nature. So it's not really who you are. It's just who we are in sin. But it's something that can be redeemed. It's something that can be disciplined. It's something that can be trained. It's something that can be exchanged. And we can learn a new language. And I know there's a lot of linguists in here. And you, you impress me and amaze me because everybody I bump into can speak three to eight languages in our church. I, I've got two. I got my language and my heavenly language. That's all I got. But we can learn a new language, and we can speak life. We can do it. So here's our assignment. Here's the dilemma. If, if this all just stopped with, with words, okay, if it all just was words, uh, you know, and by words I mean bad reviews, slanderous uh, statements, slandering restaurants, slandering people, if all it was was words, that would be bad enough, but it doesn't end there because Luke 6.45 tells us that there's a source, understand, Luke 6.45, look at this. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you have a speech problem, you have a heart problem. And God knew this well. We have a heart problem. Speech comes from the heart. And, and now, so here's the further dilemma. Step one, dilemma. It's not just speech. It's tied to your heart. Step two, dilemma. Uh, your heart is not content to spend, to, to, just to, to spend its time penning strongly word op-eds to its neighbors. Your heart doesn't stop with just language and verbiage. Words alone won't suffice for our heart. Eventually, our heart acts. Our heart will bring us, our desires bring us to a place of action. That's why whenever I hear a, a married couple or, or, or a guy say, well, I was just looking, it's okay to look, and I think, you're so foolish, because the heart is never content just with the thought and just with the word. It wants the deed. It will lead you somewhere. And I'll hear married couples play that game like the free pass. Who would you give a hall pass to your partner to, to violate the marital covenant? And I hear that and I think, are you, why are we, that is not a game. That's not even funny. Like, why are you, like, entertaining this pathway, because you think it's just words, or you think it's just thoughts. But James 1.15 says, when the desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And then when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. See, it starts in the heart, but the heart, the heart provides your words, but it doesn't end with words. It'll lead you to action. Before you know it, we have mob rule. Before we have it, we have people who are thinking one thing ideologically, saying something ideologically, being led to actions that we all go abhorrent. We distance ourselves. This is disgusting behavior. Understand, all of us are in the same dilemma. Our heart provides our words, and it drives us to our actions. That's why Proverbs 18.21, that's, that's where we're going to live for the next two to three weeks. Proverbs 18.21 says, what you say can preserve life. Or it can destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. What I want to zero in on, that first part, what you say can preserve life. What you say can make not just your life better, which it can, but those around you. You can change lives by how you speak. Did you know that? Are you with me? 
I mean, we're talking about Proverbs 18, but really that's James 3. We just read James 3 a second ago, and it said, Careless or wrongly placed words ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke. But Proverbs 18 says, no, your words can change a life, can save a life, can preserve your life, can transform your life. What What are we saying? Our words matter. Your words matter. We're a church that speaks life. And for us to be a church that speaks life, you have to be a person that speaks life. And so we're going to speak life. In order to get your life on track, you really have to get your speech on track. To get others on track, you've got to get your speech on track. So never underestimate. So, so I'm giving you one idea today and one idea only. Very simple. Number one, we're a church that speaks life over all people. So easy, right? We're a church that speaks life over all people. We speak life. So even when somebody comes up with something negative, says, did you hear this? Did you hear what they said? Did you see what they did? Even in that moment, do you know you can speak life? Even if what they said is 100% true, even if it's 100% factual, you say, oh, yeah, well, there's definitely room for God to move. We're going to believe God because he's got a plan for all of us. And I know I've had my fair share. And so God's got a, a, another round for you, another round of grace, another, another round of, of picking you back up again. The righteous man falls seven times. It might be your first fall, your seventh fall. What, that scripture is saying you're a perfect failure. You, you stumble no matter what you do. The righteous man falls again and again and again, but God's grace lifts him up again. And our words do the work of God's grace to those around us when we say, you can get up again. That might be true, but you can get up again. That might be true, but God's not done with you. That might be true, but there's more for you. That's not, that might be true, but the burgers are delicious. I don't know what that has to do with that point, but it's very clearly written in my notes. Burgers are delicious. We're a church that speaks life over people. Why? Because words, you, you use them right, and you can move mountains. You use words right, and you'll move mountains. You use them wrong. It says you'll burn everybody up and burn yourself up too. And not just with some random fire. It says with the very fire of hell. You're doing the devil's job for him. You're doing the devil's job for him when you allow his inner monologue to become your outward speech. You're doing his work. And so consider this. Use him right. Let's move mountains. Never underestimate the power of your words because the enemy doesn't. He works constantly to get you to turn them in a negative direction. He constantly, he'll, he'll fire darts of discouragement. He'll fire doubts, uh, uh, darts of doubt, darts of sickness, darts of distance and estrangement, darts of, of rejection. He'll fire dart after dart at you just to get you to speak a faithless word that will eventually send your life up in smoke. Don't let him succeed. Are, are you with me? Maybe it's quiet because we're convicted, but you can still be like, yeah, okay, that's good. I, I need that. Okay. You get it, right? Come on. Hold, just God, you got me. You caught me red-tongued, red-handed. I don't know. You caught me in the act. You caught me saying things that don't agree with things you've said, God. And, if, and now I'm living in a life of disagreement with what God has pronounced. I don't want that. You don't want that. Make no mistake, your words aren't meaningless. Your words aren't powerless. Uh, they have creative power. It, just as God demonstrated his creative power, he spoke a word, and what wasn't became a reality. God has given us. Now, now we are in his image. So understand, if you go out and, and, 
and take this to the extreme and in in a selfish way, James goes into this later and talks about how um, when you ask, you don't get what you ask for because you ask amiss with a greedy desire and and a, a bad motivation to spend it on yourself. But understand that there is creative power in your words. There is creative power in your words. Now we don't strong arm a strong arm God and, and and twist his arm behind his back and and force him till he says uncle to give us what we want with our words. But when your words align with his words, there's creative power in your words. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? So we have the authority to do the same thing here on earth that he did to initiate the earth. I'm telling you, I had a, just a sidebar. Can we do sidebar? I wish that was like stoppage time in soccer. I wish the clock would stop when I do this, but it doesn't. It keeps going. Um, sidebar. I had a youth pastor growing up. I would go over to his house. He had four or five kids, great family. And uh, me and some of my friends, we would help him cut wood because we lived in upstate New York. Oh, by, by the way, can you tell I'm in hiking mode? I'm in outdoor mode. I'm going hiking this coming week. I can't wait. Uh, uh, so uh, we go over and help him cut wood. There's something manly. Sorry if that offends your sensibilities. It makes me feel manly. Can I just say it that way? When I, and look, we got plaid happening in the room. I feel very like, yes. Uh, cutting wood, starting fires, throwing a knife at something, someone. <laughs> something about danger makes you feel alive. And so we'd go over to his house. And, he, and so he had these four kids. I remember his last born child, she, was, she, was, uh, she had all these problems, health problems. She had a lot of health problems, and she was, I mean, not, there's not a lot of babies that just make you go, wow, they're so beautiful, but this one was really like, is she okay? Right? Okay, you with me? Sorry, I know you like to feel everybody's pain, and even though you don't know the person I'm talking about now, you want to side with them and not with my story, but that's okay. And so uh, we go over to his house, and we see, and, and what my youth pastor would say all the time, this was his nickname for his daughter, Gorgeous. Hey, gorgeous, how are you doing? And it was, and it was so noteworthy to, to myself. I would think, he's calling her gorgeous? Like, I understand, like, you're not going to call her ugly, but, but, right? All the single people are like, I get this right now. All the parents are like, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. And so, but she was, she was a different looking little girl. Like, even from a baby, and so he, hi, gorgeous, how are you doing? And her legs, she had to wear braces. She had a lot of physical problems. And he'd always be, he'd, he'd say to her things like she'd come in with her braces. He's like, look how fast you are. Look how smooth you walk. He'd say all these things that were opposite. And I, I'm, not even, I'm not even lying, which is a good statement in church when your pastor's <laughs> preaching to I'm not, I'm not fabricating. I'm not exaggerating. We watched over the years this little girl it's like Forrest Gump running when the braces snap off. We watched her stride and her posture and her countenance and her beauty. And she's a beautiful woman. It tri and he's just calling those things that were not as though they are. Hey, gorgeous, how you doing? And the world goes, and you go, man, there's peace at my workplace. And the whole world goes, come on. It's an ugly child. No, there's peace there. There's potential, there's purpose there. There's divine destiny in this place for me. God is using your words to reform and refashion the atmosphere and the lives of those around you. What are we talking about? Begin to take control of your life by getting control of your tongue. 
refuse to speak anything other than agreement with God about other people. When you're talking about other people, refuse to say anything except agreeing with God. Just agreeing with God. That's why I gravitate towards personalities like David or, or Adam or Aaron or trainers. I like personal trainers. I gravitate to those personalities because they'll, walk, they'll watch you walk in and they know, like just another sidebar. I walked into my gym recently into a yoga class, which is just a joke. That's just a joke right there. Like no punchline needed. I'm so, I'm not flexible. I'm just the worst. And so I walk in. And this yoga instructor, they're not like a trainer trainer. Trainers have people skills. This yoga instructor was mean. I'm just calling her out. She was mean. And I walked in, and there I am, new yoga guy. I can't get in any starting position. Forget about the finishing position. Like, I'm just, it's not downward dog. It's just laying down as if he were shot (laughs) in dead dog, you know. Um, And so she comes over to me probably five minutes into the, the thing, and she just comes over and said, uh, are you new here? And I said, you think? <laughs> and she goes, I knew. As soon as you walked in, you are so out of alignment. There is so much wrong with you. She went on and on. You are so far out of alignment. Like, there's just, like, I don't even know where to begin with your alignment. And I went, you don't talk to people much, do you, right? But that's why, I like, like, trainers... They see you and they see the possibility for you. They see you and they see the best version of you on the other side of six months of early mornings, no joy, no happiness, and a lot of exercise. But they see that for you and they pull it out of you. I gravitate towards that because I want to be around people that aren't just satisfied with me now. They want me to be the me next. You know, they want to to see me 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0. And have you noticed there's a lot of people around you that don't even want to see you in your current version. They still have you frozen in your old version. I don't want to be that church when people walk in and they say, oh, I guess I know what he's about. I see what they're wearing. I know what she's about. I see her posts online. I know what they're about. I know what they do. No. No. All people. We speak life from the heart over all people. There's no way I'll preach it this good for a second experience. I feel so bad for them. At least they'll have, they'll, they'll get cheeseburgers. I guess that's the upside. What are we talking about now? I don't even. Oh, refuse to speak anything other than agreement with God about people. Uh, James has some instruction on this. I think it's interesting. James one twenty six says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. You're not just fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. One translation says useless. Like what you think is faith is useless and worthless if you can't control your tongue. That's powerful. If we don't bridle our tongue, we're deceiving ourselves, but we're worse We're hurting others around us. His religion isn't framing other people's future. It's not uh, enabling other people's future. It's not defining or or speaking life. See, there's a lot of religious people. I guess we just call it religious people because James did. And I don't know where that line is for religious people. I suppose it's people who go to church or, or maybe have a form of religiosity. Maybe they just go through the motions and they think, well, if I... 
if I post the right thing, if I say the right thing, if I wear the right thing, if I do the right thing, I guess God will accept me. But we know that a transaction with a holy God has got to be more than the smokescreens of man. A transaction with a holy God has got to be more than the fake facade of us. And it says this religious, the religious person. Religious people are we're filled with cynicism, negative, negativity, hopelessness. But worse of all, worse of all is our religion is not helping anybody. It's not helping people. It's not going to help or change people if we don't start to speak the words that line up with God's words about people. It's the same words you were so grateful to hear when he whispered them in your ear. It's the words you needed to hear when you were in that moment where you were sure the deal is done, I've been disqualified. There's no way I come back from that, this. And the Holy Spirit, through a friend, through a prayer, through a worship experience, through someone who came alongside you said, it's not over for you. There's still time on the clock. God's still, his deal is still on for you. Just take one step into his grace. No matter how far you've wandered, it's only one step back in to the love and the forgiveness of the Father. I'm going to skip all that. Proverbs 11, 11. God gave me this verse when we started this church 12 years ago. Proverbs 11, 11. A city becomes great when the righteous give it their blessing. But a city is brought to ruin by the words of the wicked. I don't want to be the religious with empty words. I don't want to be the wicked with useless words. And here's the truth. It's, we say useless, but they're not useless. They burn a city down. I don't care who your boss is. Speak life. I don't care how bad your spouse is. And you might have to get counseling and, and take steps. And maybe there's separation and maybe there's safety considerations. You have to be wise as serpents. But you also have to be as harmless as doves, the Bible says. And that happens in our language. I don't speak life of your spouse. If, the, if they're not dependable, you just start speaking. I'm, I'm so grateful for a dependable man. I'm so grateful. Your children, our country, we speak life. We speak life. We speak from the heart. So we need a heart change. I, I got to do this just to close us down because we start with this. We speak from the heart, right? We speak from the heart. But so to change your speech, you really need a heart change. And, and there's no shortage of, of opportunity for a heart change when you come into contact and come in proximity to the grace of God. There's no shortage of possibility. And it might not be, it's just like any language. Maybe you learn a word here, a, a word there. You begin to conjugate a few verbs, begin to put a few sentences together. But after time, you become proficient in a, in a language of life-speaking faith. And before you know it, you're pronouncing it. But we, we're not going to despise the day of small beginnings. We're going to speak life. We're going to speak grace. God speaks life over us and transforms our heart inside of us. That's why we can say these things. So I, can you just run through these with me? I'm just going to put them up one at a time. Can you say them with me? Can we just do a little clinic? Right out loud. First one, if we have it. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Some verses. The next one. I am dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. Next one. 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, all of my thoughts are faith-filled and positive. I do not allow the enemy to use my spirit as a garbage dump by meditating on negative things he offers me. Next one. I take every thought captive, captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, casting down every imagination and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Next one. I don't speak negative things. Let's say it again. I don't speak negative things. Let your ears hear it one more time. I don't speak negative things. Next one. I am always a positive encouragement. I edify and build up. I never tear down or destroy. Next one. I am slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. I cast all my care on the Lord, for he cares for me. Next one. I do not judge my brothers and sisters in Christ after the flesh. Come on, that's a good one. That'll help you out a lot. Next one. I walk in the Spirit all the time. Is it true? No, but I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to learn a few more verbs, a few more tenses, a few more phrases this week as I walk in the Spirit. I have been set free. I am free to love, to worship, to trust with no fear of rejection or of being hurt. Are there more? I ha there are. I have compassion and understanding for all people. Imagine that. Imagine a church like that. Imagine a workplace where you're the, the operative of the Holy Spirit. How about this next one? I do not hate or walk in unforgiveness. I catch the enemy in his deceitful lies. I cast them down and choose rather to believe what God says. There might be one more. I do not think more highly of myself than I should. Oh, sorry. Last one. I have a teachable spirit. That'll change you. It might not be true about you, but God says it about us, so we can say it about us. And you just keep on learning the language of life. We speak it again and again. I had a great story, but I'm going to close right now. Um, would you close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you today that we're learning a language. We're learning an identity as a church. Father, we thank you that we have life because you spoke a word. Let there be life. As you breathed breath, the yaw of God, into the lungs of the first man. And he exhaled. And the reverberations of that breath can be heard and felt to this day. It's not the echoing of the breath of Adam. It's not the echoing of our own breath. It's the echoing of the breath of God that initiated and started us, created us in his own image. God, we redeem, uh, we have been redeemed so that our language and our words could matter as we reshape and refashion lives of people around us. Father, we're not going to be, we're not going to be naive. We're not going to be ignorant. We're not going to hide our eyes from the reality. But even in face of the reality, we're going to speak life. I want to pray for two kinds of people with every head bowed, every eye closed. God speaks life over you, wants to speak life into your situation. And maybe you just want to respond to this message. Because you know, for you, it's, linguistics have been a big deal. Your faith language has been compromised. Or maybe you've just, that's just how it's always been. Wherever you've been, mom, dad, coworkers, 
Maybe you're just in a negative industry. And I remember, I loved being a lawyer. People always say, why did you leave the practice? I loved it. I loved everything about it. The only thing I didn't like is I worked with other lawyers. And that's not a joke. It's, it was really the truth. It was just, the atmosphere was, was a certain way. But even in that atmosphere, you have to speak life. You, you need to respond to this message. If that's you, just lift your hand. Father, all over this room, we just say yes to the new language of faith. We say yes in our homes, God. We're going to speak life, life about one another, life about friends, life about church, life about work. We're going to speak life. We're going to be those who build and edify. We're going to be those who encourage and lift up. We're going to be those who say, God isn't finished yet. God isn't finished with me, and God's not finished with those around me, and we're going to speak life in Jesus' name. Then another kind of decision that needs to be made today, the second group of people I want to pray for, you need to make a decision to depend on Jesus. Even as we're talking about faith, it all starts with faith for forgiveness. And one of the quotes I love by Martin Luther King Jr. is, he said, faith is taking the next step even when you can't see the whole stairway. And today is your day to take the next step. The next step to say, Jesus, I don't understand all the steps to come after, but I understand I need you in my life. Jesus died to pay the sins for the whole world, but not just the whole world for you, for me. And in a moment, I'm going to pray one general prayer over this entire room, but you might want to be a part of it. This is a day for you. Or if you're very, if you're just honest in your own heart, you say, I need God in my life. I need God. It's the most important thing you'll ever do is experience the forgiveness of God. Are you ready now? If that's for you, you're just going to lift your hand like the last group did very quickly. When I hit three, you're just going to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're not joining this church. You're not joining, you know, a religious movement, but you're saying yes to God in your life. Are you ready? One, don't wait. Today's the day to do. Two, I'm not going to embarrass you or try to trick you into standing up. I just want that to be known. I'm just going to pray a general prayer over the whole room. Are you ready? Hands are already up. One, two, three, all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Ten, thank you. Anybody else say, yeah, that's for me. Eleven, twelve, thank you. Thank you. Maybe I can't see you in the balcony. Maybe you're watching on video. Maybe you're listening online right now. But it's just as real right where you're at to lift your hand and say, Jesus, I need you. You're the answer I've been looking for. Church, are you ready to pray with these? Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus because you first loved me. So I surrender all I am, all I hope to be, and all I've been, my past, my present, my future. It's all in your hands. Thank you that you love me. You died for me, and you have a plan for me. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By grace, I've been saved. In Jesus' name.